what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. February 7th, 2020, episode 118. Did we skip one? No, we did two last oh, weekend. That's right, we did two last weekend because yeah. you made me work twice as hard. Four times as hard, but who's counting? I'm not. I didn't get paid anymore. I think it was worth it, though. It was awesome, man. Yeah. I know there's a lot of people that cover the sport of flat track. Absolutely. We picked four awesome ones, and uh, if we missed anybody, we're sorry about that, but maybe we'll have you on in the future. 36 days till Daytona. We are getting there. You yeah. know who's yeah. going to be national number 36 this year? Colby Carlisle. Flying Tomato. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. He was 36 other, last year, wouldn't he? It wasn't on the national number list uh, because he's going to be in the premier class this year. That's right. You're right. Okay. So some other 36s that came up, I uh, actually used some help from AMA national number again. Josh Butler, Wade Camlin, which is Davey Camlin's brother, Tim Mertens, who's a big time member of the IMDA who used to put on the Springfield Mile. Uh, Steve Asseltine, I used to look up to him when I was little, and even Wayne Rainey had that national number 36 in 1988. So some of the riders that had that number back in the day. Nice. Love it. You think Colby's going to be in the mix this year in the, in the Super Twins? Well, we know he's going to be in every main event. <laughs> well, that's not the question. You know, if if he rides like he did at Daytona last year, yeah, he should he should be. I was going to say, dude. He really you, you, impressed you, me at Daytona. Yeah, you yeah. and I both, going into last year, we definitely did not expect a lot. But he came out swinging in, in Daytona, and I think he could be in the mix uh, for some of these races, dude. So, I don't know. We'll see. And he was hurt at Arizona. Otherwise, he would have been up there battling for the championship a little bit closer to Corey Texter and the production twins. But, yeah, I think I I don't see any reason why he won't be in the mix. I mean, uh, he he rode really strong at the beginning of the season. He came on at the end of the season after his his recovery. And there's no reason he can't be in the mix. I mean, it's a different level. I mean, moving up to that big class. But like we said at Daytona last year, he was in the, the premier class, the AFT twins class, and he was up front. You want to talk about some other flat track news? There was actually a lot early in the week. The 2020 uh, rider group, rider rep group came out. Uh, No big surprises here, but the Super Twins, it's Jared Meese and Brian Smith, two people that have been around the sport the longest uh, pretty much now. And production twins, it's Corey Texter. And uh, the AFT singles, it's Shane Texter. So no big surprises. Uh, What they do is they try to have a go between the riders and between AFT. Uh, They have meetings periodically. And I I don't have a problem with any of those riders that were picked. No, it'll be super cool to hear uh, how that role develops throughout the year, how they communicate with riders, how they communicate with AFT. I think it's a big step, and I think it's an important step, um, not just in the communication, but um, for, for safety purposes, too. So um, we'll see how that develops throughout 2020. I'd love to be a little fly on the wall and just listen to what goes on in those meetings. But, yeah, I think it's a good move for sure for everybody. Well, one of those uh, riders has a podcast that he, he's not too afraid to talk about things, so maybe he'll he'll share some of that on his podcast. Maybe so. Maybe. maybe. I don't know if they're sworn to silence when they go in the room or not, though, but maybe uh, maybe Corey will talk about it. We'll see. Um, so Vance and Hines had some news this week, too, huh? I think that's pretty big, too. They're going to be the presenting sponsor for the AFT Super Twins class, which I was, when I first looked at it, I thought it was for the production twins because that's where they put a huge contingency up for grabs, but they are actually the presenting sponsor for the premier class is what they're calling the AFT Super Twins class. Legendary Sacramento Mile. It's celebrating its 50th anniversary this year, huh? And that is crazy. I know there was a few years that we didn't go out there, so... Looking back, they've been racing there for a very long time. I think yeah. it's pretty cool that they're going to be celebrating 50 years. 
and I hope we don't have any weather problems like we did uh, in 2019, and it goes off without a hitch. That's me knocking on wood. I thought you are knocking on your head. No. Um, I'm going to be out there for uh, Outdoor Moto, so I'm going to try to make it the next day. Because it's like, they're back-to-back, right? Saturday, one run sun- Saturday, one run Sunday? No, they're both the same day. Oh, that's right. They're the same day. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be a so long-ass day for me. Well, you don't have to work at the at the mile. You can come out and hang out. I'm gonna ma- I'm gonna make it just well, for like the main event, probably. That's all right. You yeah. know where I'm be sitting. <laughs> I'll be there. I always love Sacramento, man. It was one of my favorites to go out to. It's fun to watch those boys rip around that mile. Yeah, that's one of my favorite tracks. I mean, as a mile track, as a as a former racer, Springfield, of course, it was always so smooth and so consistent. Back when I was racing, uh, Sacramento was uh, a, a different because it shaped a little bit different, but it was really fun as well. Tommy Duma even dropping news this week. How about that? That is huge. Yeah. Uh, TDFJ returns for the seventh year as the official jeweler, and they're going to do something different again for the champions, a new ring. that uh, He has twin boys. They both designed the rings with Tommy, so it's pretty cool. I love it. Can't wait to see what they come up with this year, and uh, always good to see those Duma boys out of the track, so look forward to seeing them throughout the year. Also, it's Tommy's 60th birthday just two days ago. He doesn't look a day over 39, but they say he's 60, so happy birthday, Tommy. No way that dude's 60. That's what uh, his his son Cody uh, sent me a message earlier in the week. I don't believe it. Well, happy birthday, bro. Hope you had a good one. And Thunder Press, man. Well, so they interviewed me a while back, and it is coming out any day now. Yeah, so it should I've be out by now, right? Possibly like, today, yeah. on Friday, it's supposed to be out. Uh, so it's supposed to be able to view it online. The printed publications will be out a little bit later on in the month. But, man, it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm super excited. I, I love the things that you said, that Graham said, and... My, my boy Sammy Sabedra talked about me too. So it was really cool. Jo- Joy did a wonderful job. Uh, uh, you know, we had an hour and a half conversation, and it felt like we'd known each other for 20 years by the time we got off the phone. And it's all right there in in, in print. It's pretty. It's really cool. I was I was honored. Yeah, it's good stuff. Everybody go out and check out Thunder Press. I think there'll be a digital version online at some point. They've been posting some really cool pictures of you on their social, kind of plugging it and hyping it up before it came out this weekend. But definitely one you want to check out. So. Go check it out, people. And last but not least, you know what? You know what else is coming out Friday? Tell me more. <laughs> They're shipping our shirts on Friday. So if you ordered a shirt, thank you again to everybody who uh, took part in that T-shirt campaign. They're going to be shipping those on Friday, depending on where you are across the country. They'll get to you. Uh, and in the, the next world. Days. We had some people. Yeah. People from overseas were ordering them too. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, don't forget, we're going to be uh, choosing. We have the list of all the people who ordered. We're gonna throw it into like a random uh, one of those random picker things, and we're gonna we're gonna select. What do you want to do? One or two or three? What do you want to do? Just one for now. I think I think just one this okay. time because it's one special prize for the Absolutely. very first T-shirt. All right, good stuff. Uh, we're gonna do that probably in the next week or two, and then whenever you come down in March, you're gonna you're gonna sign it. You're gonna come down in March. I'm gonna sign it. And then we'll ship that thing out um, either before or after the, the Daytona race. So, Or if that person is at Daytona, we can hand deliver it and take their picture. That'd be fantastic. I mean, there's a good chance they might be. Uh, I was talking Absolutely. to somebody yesterday. I don't know who. It might have been this Tracy Jones, I think is his name. Uh, okay. yeah, he's going to be there in Daytona. And I think he said if he gets his shirt before, which he will, he's going to wear it to the, to the race. So we might have some people awesome. rocking some off-the-groove shirts. How crazy is that going to be? That's cool. Are you going to go to the TT? I mean, last time we checked, you you were going to go play golf that no, weekend. And... I'll be there. I don't know what I'm doing there yet, though. That's that's TBD. 
So I might not be able to hang out with you like I did before, but I will definitely be there. I'm going to be working. It's I mean, right, it's right down the road for me. How can I miss that? I was just wondering. I mean, you know, I, I heard some rumor about you playing golf or something. I have plans to be in Daytona, Atlanta, Charlotte, because Charlotte's my home. I can just go home and see family. Are those the first three? Yes, sir. What's the fourth? I can't remember. Probably <laughs> Texas. I think Texas. No, nah, I can't. I don't know if I can make it to Texas. Well, I compared them with the other schedule, and I think there's a few that I can make. I'll figure that out. Well, though. you know, there's there's a lot of riders that live down in Florida now. I know. So that's you can what I'm probably saying. hop in one of their gear bags or something. If any of you guys are listening and have a free uh, free seat open for Atlanta or Charlotte, let me know. I may roll up to Charlotte myself. I don't know. Family's there. Anyways, let's get into this week's episode, dude. I don't know if I've ever told you the story of this guy. But I don't, did I tell you, like, this guy introduced me to Flat Track. Are you talking about Scott Parker? No, no, no. I, I knew about Flat Track, right? Like, when I worked at NASCAR, a project managed the launch of Fans Choice. So I knew about Fans Choice. I knew about Flat Track motorcycle racing, but I'd never seen it in person. I'd never even seen a Flat Track motorcycle in person until I met this guy in Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. So yeah. I'm thinking people from out there, the Pacific Northwest can't be davis fisher nope not davis fisher that's a good I, guess though he's out there yeah i can't think of anybody else from oregon i think but well, we already had um andy debrino on he's from up there yeah but man i don't know what so you the, got the year was 2016 and uh i just met with uh gene crouch who's you know at the aft and we went to the one moto show up there are you familiar with the one moto show I am familiar with it. I've never been out there because usually my first quarter, I'm usually either doing arena cross or monster trucks. And for some reason, I'm always booked the weekend of the One Moto Show. Yeah, so it's in its 11th season. And uh, the guy who puts on, his name is Tor Drake. You've you've heard me talk about Tor. I met Tor that night. I was living in Portland at the time, um, and I just started working with AFT, and I didn't know anything about flat track. I mean, I came from NASCAR, four wheels, didn't know anything two wheel. He said, come to the shop one day, the coffee shop, which is attached to, to the motorcycle shop. I sat down across from him at the table. He told me what he knew. He gave me the complete book of flat track racing. You've ever you've seen that book, right? I actually brought it to the track when I when I was starting. Is it is it the orange one? Yeah, it's like red. It's a red book. Okay, but it's a, yep. a retrospective of the gold era uh, into the 70s it's like talks about you know the history of flat track what a flat okay. track motorcycle is like it's like an encyclopedia of all things flat track and he gave me an uh, an issue of sideburn magazine and uh those were the first two you know pieces of reading material that i read uh, obviously i was watching videos but i mean that's that's what kind of schooled me when i went to the one moto show i saw a gary nixon bike so that was my first time seeing a flat track motorcycle the next day I went okay. to Salem and I saw the races up there. Um, so that was my first in-person race watching flat track. And dude, I fell in love right there, right then and there. Uh, the, the one moto show is amazing. Tor was a super cool dude. He's like running the show and he like met me and Gene at the door, brought us in and gave us a tour of the whole place, showed us the bike that he won on in Vegas in 2015 at the end of the season. Uh, and just kind of showed us his favorite bikes of the show. We talked to him, shot the shit for like 10, 15 minutes, and then he went on about his way, and we, we just took in the show. One of the coolest dudes I've ever met, one of the most down-to-earth people I've ever met, and he is just, he's super busy, but he'll take the time out of his day to have a conversation to help introduce you to a sport that he loves. Um, and I don't know, I've wanted to have him on this show for a while, and I think this week is the best week because Friday starts the One Moto Show in 2020. 
And of course, Saturday is the one pro race, which is on Saturday. So tomorrow they have a race all around this great, big, huge motorcycle show. Yeah, it's good stuff. And they're in a new venue this this year. I'm sure he'll talk about that. I basically want to introduce Tor to you and all of our listeners. I'm sure a lot of people know who he is. They know who the what the One Moto Show is, and they know what CC Motorcycles is. They sponsor several pro riders, um, not just in flat track, but in motocross. And just one hell of a dude. So I know you're going to love him. I know our listeners are going to love him. So... You want to give Tor a call? I thought it was Thor, but let's call whoever this guy is because I, I, I can't wait. <laughs> I've never talked to this guy in person, so I can't wait to get, you know, to talk to this guy here on the podcast. All right, here we go. Hey, Scotty. <laughs> hey, Tor, what's going on? Is this the busiest guy in the Pacific Northwest this week? I, I'm a, I don't know. I might be. Well, that and... My guy who's bringing all the dirt in for um, the flat track races this weekend—he's got a—he's got a pretty hefty load. That that might be a pretty busy schedule as well. So, uh, well, I honestly, I've never—I don't think I've ever talked to you before. I know I haven't talked to you on the phone, so uh, it's good to speak to you, and I'm excited for this podcast. Me too. I've, I've definitely heard you a lot uh, watching the races, and pretty excited to be on the podcast. So, thanks for taking the time. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I know it's a big week leading up to the the big weekend, the One Moto Show. And then, of course, what I want to talk about is the race that's coming up this weekend, too. But first, I want to dive in and get to know you a little bit more. So your name's Tor Drake. Is that correct? Yeah. Born in Norway and uh, named after my grandfather, who is also Thor uh, or Tor. I mean, obviously, they say Secret H over there, you know. Um, Secret H. I love it, man. <laughs> yeah, those Norwegians, they don't they don't like the H, but they like putting it in there for some reason. I don't know why. But you know, a say- lot of people are like, Why don't you just go by Thor? And I'm like, Well, you know, then all the guys named Thomas would have to change their name to Thomas and that would be <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. this is a big ass, you know. <laughs> that'll, that'll, get, that'll get a little confusing. So you're born in no- Norway, but how did you end up over in the States and, and I think you're in Portland now, right? Yeah, born in Norway, and then my mom and dad moved over to uh, Arizona when I was real small, like three years old, because that's where my dad went to school. And my mom, she liked it. She thought it was all right. She wanted to check out, you know, the United States. She was, she's a Norwegian. She grew up there, born there, lives by the, the Norwegian code. She's a true Viking woman. But um, she, uh, yeah, we moved to Flagstaff, Arizona, northern Arizona. Mm-hmm. And uh, I being the you know sort of gravitating towards things that go fast and you're you know are dangerous i got into skateboarding and and um which led me into snowboarding in in the early days um which led me into motorcycles so it it was like a a leapfrog from one dangerous thing to the next as my as my parents cringed i got into motorcycles when i was 16 years old just because i needed something to do in in the off season um when it when there wasn't any snow and uh, hucking yourself off, you know, random things uh, on a dirt bike sort of filled that um, adrenaline fix that I needed. So, wow, <laughs> that's cool. So, yeah, totally. Um, my parents are real anti, you know, motorcycles. My my dad was a carpenter and school teacher, and my mom was a, a chef, and uh, she she had a nursery and, and was also a, a nurse and, and a school teacher. So, um, wow. They were both not into me riding bikes, probably for the obvious reasons. You know, they kind of saw the way that I am with uh, going hard. (laughs) 
I got you. So I was, I was also told you're you're really a badass fabricator. So my question to you is, did you start fabricating things first before you started getting into the motorcycles, or which one of those two came first? Yeah, you know, uh, being being the son of a carpenter, um, you know, I got into my dad's tools first, uh, despite what he wanted. So I was always in, you know, in there screwing around with his his tools that he had locked up three times over. Um, which also helped develop into, you know, I can break into just about anything in, in a matter of minutes. But, uh, yeah, we, we started off just building ramps, you know, in the neighbor's yard and my yard and anywhere we could find a, you know, open space. We'd just go around the neighborhood with my little red wagon and collect uh, wood out of people's garbage and, and build, you know, little skate ramps all over the place. Um, so I kind of learned how to use some tools then he obviously wasn't very good at it um and then you know just i think that's where the the love started you know just creating stuff uh all the time um and then i don't think i i don't know if i still am very good at building anything but you know i i make do i can, I can put together something that works for the most part uh but uh yeah that, that's where it all started and then um you know when i got into motorcycles uh, I tried to to work on those things for you know when I was I guess 16 years old, and I was also terrible. I wasn't very good at that at first. I'll tell you that. Wow. I broke I broke more I broke more bikes than I fixed. But I guess you know in the process you learn, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So didn't you build some some ramps for Jackass, the TV show that went on to be the movies too? Didn't you? I heard you built some of those ramps. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, in in the list of things that I've built, there's the the world's largest pair of rollerblades. Uh, you know, uh, a loop twice. Um, so uh, the first time I built the loop uh, was just kind of a harebrained idea that we did for um, uh, YouTube, just Dave England and myself. And then they, he showed it to the Jackass guys, and they're like, "We got to have this on the show." And uh, ended up getting flown out to uh, where was it? Uh, Florida, someplace built the loop again and and did the loop on a motorcycle twice so i can say that you know i've done that i built the loop which i didn't actually expect to be the guy riding through it the first time i, right. I sort of built it and, and <laughs> there was nobody else willing to do it so i was volunteered i guess because i was the last person to touch it um <laughs> yeah wow so yeah uh, yeah pretty funny um and then you know just i think you know, if there's one thing that I love doing, it's just always building something, you know, it's, uh, whether if it's a motorcycle ramp or a motorcycle or, uh, a race or a community or just creating is, I think it's in my, uh, it's my, it's my compulsion, I think. Okay. So when, you know, you start building stuff at a young age, you told us that and you'd go find stuff. So at what point did you realize you can make a career out of building stuff and fabricating things? career <laughs> well I, I call it that um, all right yeah fair enough yeah i do i do get a small paycheck every every couple weeks um so yeah, i guess that that was yeah i don't think it was really uh it never really occurred to me actually i just sort of did it um so the long story goes i moved to portland to try to snowboard more and, and skateboard more and and i started working with nike um doing a lot of uh, contract work for building, you know, skate parks and creative stuff uh, for a number of years. And then 
you know, we ended up doing these like crazy YouTube video things, which made me build all kinds of different stuff. And then I, I kind of tapped into the network of people uh, doing music videos and just weird, you know, weird stuff. So I got to build, you know, anything from like a, a rolling trampoline that you could jump on while you go down the street to, <laughs> like I said, the world, <laughs> the world's largest pair of rollerblades, which we did as a, as a joke on the world's largest skateboard, um, which those things were... <laughs> I'm pretty, I, I can't believe that I built them, but also pretty proud that I did because <laughs> they'll never wow. be duplicated again. Right, they were nine right. feet tall and 13 feet long. So they were massive and they, they, they independently worked on their own. And, uh, you know, I wish I still had them today because if there would ever be like a good halftime show for a, a flat tracker race, would be yeah. a, a set of roller, a set of rollerblades cruising around the course. That would be cool. Um, yeah, pretty nuts. But uh, building all kinds of weird stuff like that. And then when the economy took a turn, I guess it was probably 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. You know, building stuff just wasn't paying the bills anymore. And so I went back to school, kind of a post-grad type thing for advertising. And uh, quickly discovered, you know, it was a year-long program, quickly discovered that advertising was interesting and fun, but definitely wasn't my... Uh, wasn't my life passion, you know? So mm -hmm. uh, when I left there, I'd, I'd, I'd gotten lots of great information on how to sort of put together ideas and make them work better. Um, but uh, use, yeah, basically use the stuff I'd learned in advertising to do the things that I was real passionate about, which is motorcycles and, and building things. And that's sort of where that sort of brings us current to where, you know, the one show was, was started. I was um, actually, I was actually building a trade show booth for an outerwear company named Holden. And we had rented a, a space, uh, a vacant warehouse building, and you know, kind of about two blocks away from the Memorial Coliseum where the show is uh, this weekend. And uh, I was building this trade show booth and we sent it out to the trade show, but we had the space uh, rented for the rest of the month. So I kind of, you know, in my spare time of advertising, threw together a plan to put together uh, the show and uh, made it look good and refined and, you know, well thought out. And uh, that's that's where the one show was, was sort of uh, born. And, uh, you know, the whole idea behind the show was like everybody's into sort of one style of motorcycle, whether it's, you know, a flat track bike or a, a road race bike or a custom chopper or a old school bike, or, you know, they, you get, you meet lots of different types of motorcyclists, but they all, they all sort of gravitate to one style of bike. And that's, that's where the name came from, you know, and that's where the uh, sort of the soul of the show came from was like that. What's that one motorcycle that does it for each unique person. That's like real ingrained in the motorcycle industry. And it resonated well. Um, we had about a thousand people that first show and uh, 62 bikes, which um, I documented for the book, the first year book. But yeah, it was just, it was just a real harebrained idea to like have a good party. And uh, it, it worked. Um, and then, you know, it worked so well that we, we decided that we had to prove that we could do it twice. And once we'd done it twice, well, we just said that we'd do it for 10 years. <laughs> wow. I'm an idiot. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years or actually 11 years later here we are um yeah so it's pretty crazy but that's that was the that was kind of the the where the show was born simultaneously you know we wanted to point it back to another business and that's where cc kind of came into the picture um and, and the best way we knew how to do it was like well let's just build custom bikes 
Um, so started building kind of weird dirt bikes and the, you know, cafe racers and other stripped down, you know, they, they sucked with the time, but they, they were fun and interesting and different for sure than what you saw everywhere else, which is the sort of fat tire flame, you know, skull chopper things that were, were omnipresent, uh, mm-hmm. in the late 2000s. <laughs> Right. You can now find all those on uh, Craigslist for a fraction of the price. Right. So, um. <laughs> so, so you started CC Motorcycles at that point, and was that all? You know, was that that's your dream? I mean, just to have a motorcycle shop. I mean, it sounds like you had your hands in a little bit of everything, but uh, you know, CC Motorcycles just came along, just just popped up, and just happened to work for you. Is that how it felt, you know went down? No, it didn't work. Uh, it, we just popped up, though, for sure. Okay. <laughs> it, it it started off, um, it was sort of just a dream. It was like, well, you know, the economy kind of sucks. I'm not making a ton of money. So, well, you know, instead of just giving other people good ideas and, and not making a lot of money for it, I just decided to put everything I had into, into one thing, and that was uh, CC Motorcycles. And, you know, I, I wrote up a business plan that is, really funny to read every now and again because it's so uh you know it's like oh we'll have a our own in-house you know so and so and it just it was pretty far-fetched but um you know what it did do was kind of inspire me to follow through with with what i told a lot of people i'd do is create a shop that was super inclusive and and would grow and and involve the community in any way that would would work basically and we started off uh with stickers uh just putting those on everything that we we had and and all our buddy stuff too um right and then and then you know like a snowboarder would that's just kind of how you start that's that's how any snowboard company was ever ever started or skate skateboard company is they just built stickers until you know there was a desire for t-shirts and we, <laughs> we made some half-ass t-shirts we actually screen printed this the smiley face on the inside yeah. Uh, to do something different. And <laughs> <laughs> the first few people that bought those t-shirts are like, why did you screen print the, in the inside? Did you get like a special deal? <laughs> they couldn't figure it out. Right. Like, it's different, you know, it's different. We wanted to make something different. So, uh, cool. but yeah, so we actually, you know, before we even had uh, the name CC, it was just a logo and it was uh, something that I dreamt up and, and felt like the, this weird compulsion to make happen. And, uh, yeah, so we, we made t-shirts and it was just kind of like we built bikes and we had a little t-shirt shop that didn't really pay the bills. And then, you know, the bikes weren't getting done fast enough. And, and we sort of made every mistake in, in business that you can make in the first three years, uh, which was great because it, it really like set me up to, to figure it out going forward. And then I, I partnered up with, uh, my current business partner, George, and uh, he's he's Greek and comes from the uh, you know the service industry and world and and uh, we we partnered up and threw together a plan to involve uh, the coffee shop and uh, you know we are still running the event so the one show and and um, had, had dreamt of doing some other events like Dirtquake which we did and still do with a different name but um, we just sort of grew it out of this half-assed plan but you know you know not unique, but like in a real slow way. It was just like throwing things together and, and the coffee shop was great because it, it brought in some of that outside uh, 
community, you know, the outside communities. I mean, you'll you'll walk into the coffee shop today and you'll see a couple old ladies, you know, sipping a cup of coffee and a couple young kids like taking photos of their coffee and um, you know, kind of everything in between from racers. I mean, even David Fisher was by earlier today. He's grabbing some gear and um, we were just chatting real quick. But uh, yeah, the, the coffee shop's great because it's a real uniting thing um, and it, it builds community around something that's positive and encouraging and, and um, pretty open. Um, sorry if I got a little crazy there. No, <laughs> I, I love every bit of that. That was so cool. It's yeah. like organic chaos, but it all worked together. So where where did the name CC come from? It came from the logo, actually. So when I when I came up with the logo, I didn't even know. You know, I didn't know. what We were just trying to think of a name that didn't pigeonhole us into just one style of anything, for that matter. But um, it, it's the eyes. So the CC eyes are like indirect looking eyes and 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 sort of this you know the behind meeting is that motorcycles uh usually make people happy and so that's where the logo came from i think um and then the eyes are indirect so you know a big kind of part of the ethos of the brand is that we we look to the past to inspire the future and you know hopefully uh the future inspires the past and and it works pretty good together that way you know it's like it's a bit like honoring you know all the old guys of uh, flat track to mm-hmm. to really develop the new guys, you know, and usually uh, usually that's the case. So um, it's just a logo, and the name was the CCIs. So. <laughs> okay, that's cool. So is the is the motorcycle shop still connected to the coffee shop? I mean, it sounded like it still is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we have a, it's a small, you know, kind of curated brand and then our, our own merch uh, little shop next to it. You can get parts. You can get, you know, kind of select stuff. It's not a huge. It's not what you would picture a motorcycle shop to be. It's it's sort of curated. And yeah, it's a small shop. Uh, we, we opened a, a KTM dealership across the street. So we have a, a dealership that that runs in partnership wow. with, with CC. Um, and then okay. we have plans of opening some new shops here you know, in, in the near future, but, um, it kind of all goes back to that. We just grew in the ways that were supported, you know, kind of an amoeba style business plan, <laughs> which doesn't work, but you know, I think we're stubborn enough uh, to make it work, to make it work. Yeah. 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 It sounds like it. That's so cool. So the reason we call is to talk about the one moto show and more specifically the, the one pro race this weekend. So let's talk yep. more about the show. So you said you had 62 bikes at the very first show. Do you have any idea how many bikes are going to be at this one moto show, the 11th anniversary? I have an idea. It's, it's roughly around 250. Um, wow. And these are, yeah, pretty crazy. I mean, I think one's showing up today from Italy. Uh, the guy sent it all the way from Italy, which is cool. But yeah, um, yeah, the, the motor the motorcycle show is is really growing over the years. I mean, you put ten years in anything, it's going to grow. I think naturally. Um, mm-hmm. I've never done anything for ten years aside from maybe you know maybe brush my teeth. But um, <laughs> I was I was talking with Gary Emmon this morning, and I was like, he, he's just like, wow, how do you how do you do all this stuff? And I, I said, I've got the world's most amazing ADD and then the probably the world's most stubborn asshole. So the two combined <laughs> create this person that's always doing something but not completing it, but just always doing it until it's done. It's like a guy juggling chainsaws. At some point one of those chainsaws is gonna come down. I know it. <laughs> but I just right. keep adding more chainsaws. <laughs> you gotta keep it um, going. You gotta keep going, yeah. Once you're 
a body in motion stuck in motion. I heard there's a new venue this year. Are you moving to somewhere bigger? Is that what we're moving to? Yeah, so so like I said, over the years, you know, we, we've been growing uh, every year, kind of doubling the size of the show. Um, and, and every year we're selling out the show. We, you know, we don't have enough room for all the bikes. We don't have enough room for all the people. So, you know, we... We took a big leap of faith and, and approached the, the Memorial Coliseum, which is a pretty old venue on the West Coast. It was built in the 60s. Everybody from uh, the Beatles to Jimi Hendrix to Willie Nelson, uh, all types of different people played uh, in that massive stadium um, over the years. And it was, uh, it was the home of the Blazers originally until they built the Moda Center or the Rose Garden. Um, wow. Next to it. So it's a really weird building. It's um, kind of the first of its kind, if I'm understanding it correctly. It's a big pole barn, like massive pole barn with a, a, a giant concrete stadium in the inside, like Coliseum-style stadium. Um, wow. And then underneath all the bleachers are these ballrooms that were built in the 70s. Um, and then the, the building's kind of wacky because they built it to go face west. But because the river is on the west side, it doesn't really work to go west. So they flip the building to the east, to the entry, you know, the entryway to the east. So it's like a really unique layout to the building. Yeah. Um, actually, when you walk in the building, underneath you is where the bike show is. It's a huge uh, building underneath the, the sort of park that's out front of the building. Um, yeah. And that's a 60,000-square-foot 60, hall. Uh, that we'll have packed to the gills with with vendors and artists and um, of course all the bikes and you know moving the, moving the show to a bigger venue is is also allowed for us to kind of get more attention from um, bigger you know bigger sponsors you know Indians come on board in a big way and and we've even got you know some smaller sponsorships from Husqvarna and Suzuki and BMW and and Harley Davidson so we're we're moving into having more OEMs be a part of the show. And then sort of the biggest thing about this year's show is that we've combined the races in the Coliseum with the show. Um, we've done the races, the one pro races at, uh, at Salem fairgrounds, which is uh, a great venue as well um, for the last five years. But we really wanted to, we really wanted to try and see if we can make a bigger show of it. You know, it's like, I saw in, in this, is, this is funny that this is the inspiration, but I saw, like a monster truck thing going in the Coliseum. And I was like, monster truck is cool. Like it's great for kids to go see that, but wouldn't it be cooler if kids could get that same sort of thrill show, but support local racers and local racing and motorcycle racing, the thing that I'm most passionate about. I mean, 0.0% of those kids going to watch monster truck rallies are ever going to get the chance to ride in a, you know, like, or be a driver right. in, a, in a monster truck. But, like, right. every one of those kids could potentially be a racer. And, and, you know, sort of the best way to keep things, keep the momentum going. So when I'm old, I you know, I have people to hang out with is, is to try to inspire that that uh, that future generation to, to get on motorcycles and get on flat tracks more more specifically. And, and you know, the, the ability to put together a flat track just about anywhere um, – it is is cool and, and i think you know kind of hopefully in, inspires a lot of different types of people to, to give it a go um 
you know, uh, but, but like I was saying, this show is definitely, you know, massive because, uh, we're building a track specifically for the races. Um, the, the dirt getting trucked in is, is a huge nightmare. Um, for those familiar with the Pacific Northwest, it pretty much rains here half the year. Mm -hmm. Um, so (laughs) finding dry dirt is, uh, you better, you better be a lucky person because, uh, that's the only way you'll find it. And, um, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, my buddy Dwight Parker, who, who's fairly ingrained in the excavation trades, is actually pulling the dirt right out of the ground, and we're we're trucking it in Wednesday night. We're packing a track, and uh, and we'll be on it hopefully Thursday afternoon. So um, amazing, and hopefully it's a good track. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure it will be. With every, everything you've done, it seems like you got a pretty good track record, so I'm sure it's going to be top-notch. So the one pro race is actually on Saturday, this Saturday, and yeah. uh, you, you're including the first-ever Electric Bike National, and we talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but tell me more about this Electric Bike National that you're going to do for the first time ever. Yeah, I'm, I love electric bikes. You know, to me, they'll never replace the combustion engine for those who are naysayers. Um and I doubt they ever will, you know, uh, I mean, look at two strokes, but, but anyways, um, the electric bikes, uh, are, are super interesting to me because a, they're completely quiet, which means that you can actually race in front of, you know, your grandpa or grandma and and they won't even, you know, hold their ears. They won't care. Um, and the nuance of it is super funny too, because you can actually hear like the grunting and, heavy breathing of of your race, you know, race buddy. Uh, And you can hear the crowd, you know, so it's kind of an interesting thing, but uh, the idea was um, to get all national level riders. So, you know, from the Northwest, we got Sammy Halbert and uh, Davis Fisher on electric bikes. Um, And there's Mm -hmm. a few other guys from California that are coming up. Um, You know, it's, there's never really been an opportunity uh, to have, this many electric flat track specific bikes in one location um, because they're so new and the technology is, has been, a, you know, a little slow going for many different reasons, but um, you know, and, and not to say there won't be some problems. We were already testing my, my, my bike and seem to have broke it. So we'll figure that out before the weekend. But um, yeah, it's, it's just kind of an interesting concept because it's an even playing field, really. The throttle and the the motor and and all that stuff is way different than on a on a, a combustion engine bike. I mean, Davis, one of his first comments because he he took it out on his personal track was he kept having a hard time like feathering the throttle through the corner because when you let off the throttle, it it just dies. There's no forward momentum. You know, it's you're okay. coasting at that. Point. Mm-hmm. So if you think about that, like if you let off the throttle on a combustion engine, there's still forward motion because it's still idling and it's still pushing you forward a little bit, you know, uh, enough, mm-hmm. but on an electric bike, once you chop the throttle, you're just coasting. So it really throws your weight into a different position. Um, but yeah, it really, you know, the, the hope is that it, it kind of levels the playing field and, and creates a different type of racing. Um, you know, Kind of like the hooligan thing, uh, which we also do, and and vintage thing, you know, which we also do, and and uh, we don't do too much of the DTX or modern bike racing, just um, just because it's expensive mostly. But I like racing that's a little bit more, you know, about the camaraderie and you know, like unique style 
I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> well, I, I think I think where you're going with it is like the the Super Hooligan series that you've been a part of with Roland Sands. I think that's just a big group of guys that like to have fun, and, and you know, there's not the pressure of a Grand National like an, at, at an AFT race. When I go to a, a Super Hooligan race, they're there to have some fun, and I think that sounds like what you're talking about. Yeah, I think that's that's a pretty accurate description. I mean, really, like at the end of the day, if you're not having fun, then why do anything? <laughs> right. Right. I know that's all self-serving, but I, really when we get into motorcycles, it's because it's fun and you stick with it because it's fun. And then at some point, of course, it, you know, especially for exceptional racers, it gets serious, but it doesn't mean it has to lose all the fun. You know, it's like, it, it should still be fun. Even your worst days are learning and, and that's fun, right? Like that's, that's where you get that little bit of fun is that you, you learn not to go end over end or stay away from so-and-so or mm. Uh, you know, spend a little more time tuning, which I, I need to learn. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But yeah, you know, it's, it's meant to be fun. And, and that's, that's really what I gravitate towards is the excitement and the fun of it. And, uh, you know, when the first hooligan race was put into play, uh, it was actually, I think the first super hooligan race was the one at, um, the super prestigio event in, um, Las Vegas. And, right. uh, I had a friend just truck my bike down um, that I, you know, built out of an XG750, showed up. It was all the Cali kids and then myself, you know, who'd never raced against any of those guys. And, and I showed up and the track was like a football-shaped track. It was about the most rough track you could ever race in. Um, mm-hmm. Went out there and, and was just having a blast, just trying to get through it all. And it somehow ended up winning. Um, and and they the prize was a brand-new Indian Scout. Uh, which I didn't know. I just went back in my pits. So I already cracked the beer <laughs> open, you know, like, and they're like, Hey, they need you out front. So I, I, uh, I ran out and of course they have this bike on stage and I was like, Oh no, no, I don't, I, I you know, it's not, so I'm not doing this to win motorcycles. I'm just doing this to like have fun. Like I don't need the bike, you know, I'm already, I'm good. I got a bike. Wow. I felt bad for taking the bike, but then I, I realized, you know, that's a pretty cool award. And, and, uh, hopefully I can pass it on to my son someday it's in my garage you know and I lend it out to friends and stuff like that so it's it's about the coolest award I think I'll, I'll ever win um and I really love to like let other people enjoy that one it's a you know brand new 2016 it was like the first scout that ever kind of hit the floor and, and I got the chance to to win that thing and and yeah I've, I've sent it out with friends and people have rented it a few times um my wife's race. I'm actually looking at a photo of my wife racing it at Dirtquake. So man, but yeah, the story the story pretty. just keeps getting keeps getting better and better. I mean, you keep giving me all these little things I want to talk about. I know I could talk to you for hours, but I remember that night in Las Vegas because you were wearing like an all white suit or something like that, and then we had to come find you to 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 do the awards presentation right there on the stage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it was. I. There's this weird thing. Anytime I wear all white denim, good things happen. So I don't know what the hell that's all about, but I figured uh, I better stay true to my colors and, and throw that one on. And, and uh, my wife embroidered a little CC face around the back of the jacket. And uh, <laughs> I remember they're asking, like, what's up with the white denim? And I just, I was like pretty confused by it. I was like, well, this is what I, this is my race suit. Like, <laughs> but I didn't realize that it, now you know. Now it's a little embarrassing. I'm like, yeah, of course you should be wearing motocross gear, not just a denim white denim jacket with white pair of denim white pants. <laughs> Whatever works, but, man. It definitely works for you. That's cool. 
Yeah, it was I guess my lucky my lucky gear. Um, yeah, I've done lots of cool stuff in that stuff in that in that gear, so <laughs> I didn't want to mess oh. up the luck. You know, I guess that's my my superstition there. There you go. So you you say you I, I know you support some pro riders. You mentioned Davis Fisher earlier. Who all do you sponsor yeah. on the on the Grand National level? Well, you know, my whole take on sponsorship is that it should help the rider and the riders should be stoked on it. Um, so we, we sponsor Davis and he's also got a handful of other great sponsors that probably are much bigger than we are. You know, we just give them whatever we can, social media, you know, help or sponsor connections um, and what, however much gear he wants and free coffee, you know, for his, him and his whole family um, and whatever race entries I can provide from time to time. Um, but we sponsored Davis. Uh, we were sponsoring Tanner Dean when he was racing, uh, uh, coming up through the ranks. Mm-hmm. We sponsored Sammy Halbert for a few years, you know, just throwing a sticker on his bike here and there or wherever I could throw him some cash, you know? Um, right. And that's just the flat track side of things. Um, we also sponsor, you know, some motocross guys, uh, some up and comers to speak of is, uh, Austin black. He's a Northwest kid. He's, he's coming up through the ranks. He's racing the supercross B level and he's winning, uh, first or second, pretty much every round. So pretty stoked on, on him. And then even younger than that, we've got, uh, Blake Parker, who's a 65 motocross kid. Who's going to, make some waves. I think we sponsor a few road racers like Andy Debrino, who's also a hooligan. Mm-hmm. He's been, uh, the number one hooligan for a couple of years. Um, we've been helping actually, uh, Cody cop out, which is Joe cop's son, just, you know, with some stoke out gear here and there. So they, right they obviously have a pretty tight program, but, um, you know, my, my whole thing with sponsorship is, is you gotta be a nice guy. You gotta inspire others to race. And, you know, if you do that, then, and I think we can hang out, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a pretty low key sponsorship agreement. Um, but really the heart of it is like, we want people to represent the sport in a positive way and, and influence and inspire other people to, to get involved. So that's um, awesome. Yeah. Well, well, like I said, when I first called you, you sound like the busiest guy in the Pacific Northwest. Do you ever get a chance to go to a grand national flat track race? Uh, back when it was at castle rock, it's been a little, it's been a little crazy the last couple of years. Um, I had, a, I built a house and, uh, had a baby, got married. So I did a couple of important things there, uh, started a couple of businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so it's just been a little nuts. Uh, I've been to the Sacramento mile. Um, okay. actually good, good buddies with, uh, Skip Axlin, who's, who's done some good things over the years, factory Yamaha racer back mm-hmm. in the day. Um, I've been to the mile. I've been to, uh, gosh, where else have I been? I've been to Sacramento mile. Uh, what was the other mile down there? Um, San there Jose was, mile. There's, I was going to say there was San Jose, but that's been a while. Yeah. Uh, D- uh, Delmar, Delmar's way down there, but that's kind of a, kind of a jaunt for you. Yeah. I haven't been to that one. Um, I've been out to Sturges. Actually, okay. uh, the same bike that I won that Indian on, I rode to Sturges and raced the half mile and then rode it home. That was pretty funny. <laughs> That's how they used to do it back in the day. Yeah. I don't know about 1,200 miles, but yeah. Well, right, right. I mean, I, I know my grandpa would ride to the racetrack, take the headlight off and the taillight off, put a number plater on there, put a, a paper plate, you know, put put a number on, on the headlight, and that's what he'd race. Then he'd ride it back home if he could. That's what I did. Wow. <laughs> it was, uh, That's cool. My, uh, I, I actually stole a, a pillow from the hotel on the way home because <laughs> the, 
the half inch of foam that was on the race seat there you just didn't cut it after a while <laughs> it was more like a quarter inch at the end of the trip bad case of monkey butt going on oh my gosh yeah i uh, i was walking funny by the end of that trip but um sure. it was pretty funny i sent i sent the flat track tires out uh just you know air shipped them out and, and picked them up in sturges spooned on the tires uh, the best comment was I was charging my phone off the battery of the bike. And so he's like, are you, are you charging your phone off the bike that you rode here? I was like, yeah, about to race it. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a pretty cool experience, you know, just, just getting to do Sturges the way it should be done. And, and I uh, got That's to see, amazing. you know, the AMA races, got to race the half mile, which is sort of a bucket list thing to do. That, that track is terrifying. I don't know if anybody's, if you've ever ridden there, but. The Sturgis half mile, the Rapid City half mile. Uh, the Sturgis half mile. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a it's a very skinny groove, and you better not slip off, or you're going all the way to the hay bales. Yep. <laughs> and there's some boulders on there too. You gotta watch. Oh out yeah. For. Yeah. But it's cool. <laughs> all right. One one more thing I forgot to mention about the the one moto show. What is this 21 helmets thing I've been seeing everywhere? Like everything that I do, there's always a crazy story behind it, but. We started that show, I guess, about eight or nine years now, somewhere in there. Anyways, the, the idea was that, you know, the factory helmet paint jobs weren't that cool, and we wanted to inspire a new generation of different artists and show people that you could kind of screw around and have some fun, and it would, you know, still be fun to wear it. And uh, so we started the 21 Helmets, and it was sort of an idea to, like, showcase our new shop, shop space and get people through the door and have a party and... And uh, it's, it's evolved over the years. We've, we've done it at the MotoGP. We've done it at the One Show. Uh, it's always kind of in partnership with the One Show. And um, this year, a uh, real unique event. So we've partnered with area high schools. And uh, we've given half the helmets to professional artists and half the helmets to just high school kids. And the idea is that the, the professional helmets are auctioned off. And uh, the money goes towards the scholarship for the kids. Uh, to learn how to do professional helmet painting. Um, so there'll be like a, a way to judge at the show um, the different helmets. And uh, the winner will, will take home, you know, a little bit of cash to put into, you know, airbrush machine or whatever it whatever it takes to start doing helmets uh, at a bigger scale. So I'm pretty okay. stoked on that stuff. You know, it's like I always picture like, man, I'd love something like that if I was in high school. That was all I ever dreamt of, you know. Mm -hmm. Somebody like gave me this, the chance to to paint a helmet and and showcase it at a, a big motorcycle event. That's really cool. So we're we're nearing the end of the episode and and we have a Graham's question and I, I know you've listened before, but Graham is my grandma and she goes to almost every race that I'm at and probably more races than I go to. But she wants to know what inspired your Burt Furnace character. <laughs> Great question. That's actually not me. That's actually a separate person. <laughs> really? Uh, it's like a mix of my old grumpy roommate, my grandpa, and my business partner. <laughs> but I think what inspired that was, A, my name is kind of unique. So if somebody says Tor, then they, they can find me easily. Uh, so I, I needed to go for another alias. And that was this weird dude that was like he did anything he wanted and he's kind of yeah like i said inspired by my grumpy ass grandpa my other grumpy roommate and my super funny business partner george uh <laughs> awesome um, i love it yeah so that's where that dude came from and he, he's basically just you know, he asks tough questions and he he never has his uh he never has his back straight by any stretch and 
I, I was hoping to bring him to AFT and, and sort of mess with some of the, the racers, but I never got a chance to last year. So hopefully, hopefully AFT, if you're listening, uh, let's get Burt Furnace on the circuit to, to get some of those tough questions going to some of the uh, <laughs> racers. Yeah, I think, I think we need to make that happen for sure. So we usually wrap up the episode with rapid fire questions. So I'll say a question. You tell me the first thing that pops to mind. Are you ready? I don't know. All right. Well, if you're not ready, can we get Bert to answer for you, or is he busy? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> What's your favorite bike you've ever ridden? SR500. Okay. What's your favorite fabrication you've ever done? Uh, the Indian Giver, the the Harley XG. Okay. All right. That's the one you that's the one you run the race on, right? That's the one I rode to Sturgis, won the race. Okay. That's the one that Andy Debrino won the FTR on. Got okay. Second in the X. It's got magic. And the wheels so, were built by Cosman, so. <laughs> what'd you say the name of the bike was? The Indian Giver, or the, is it the Indian Taker? It's pretty much one of those things, yeah. Cause, okay, well, all right. Well, I think Roland Sands deemed it the Indian Giver, because, uh, his guy, Cameron, because it kept winning in the end. So. There you go. All right. What's, uh, <laughs> yeah. what's your favorite issue of the Sideburn magazine? Oh, man. That's a tough one. Uh, I think I like, uh well issue one really just burned in my brain yeah there okay. you go all right what's an idea that you have that you haven't yet made a reality right i've done that though i that's that is a very complicated question an idea that i haven't yet made into a reality yeah like like i know you did a life-size rollerblades is there anything just like way out there that you want to do that nobody's ever seen yet uh, can I say the Electric National? Yeah, I mean, it's going to happen we'll, this weekend. We'll I love it. Yeah, <laughs> we'll I love see how it. that one goes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, will Davis Fisher get his first Grand National win this season? Oh, yeah, I think so. Easy. I think so too. But my, uh, you know, the the other half of the podcast who who stays quiet during this part, that's Carter. He's going to have to shave his eyebrows if Davis Fisher doesn't win a race this year. I'm going to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Whenever you have no eyebrows, you look real crazy. So <laughs> I can't. I can't wait. Well, I hope. I really do hope Davis Fisher wins a Grand National. But if he doesn't, Carter's going to shave his eyebrows. So I guess one more for you. We steal this one from Dave to Spain every week. But what are you most proud of? Can I say my son? That guy is awesome. He's going to be a force to be. Con- he's like. He's already. He's a. He's a wild man, so he's going to be a you know if he wants a flat track race, if he wants to ro- whatever kind of motorcycle racing he wants to do. But I'm super right. proud of him, and he's uh, he's a good guy already. So that's uh, perfect. One and a half. What <laughs> he's one and a half years old. What's his name? Uh, Van. All right. So is is the, yeah. are, 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 are is he blonde hair, blue eyed, Norwegian? Pretty much. We we call there him spaghetti. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> he's he's a blonde hair, blue eyed, little toughy. All right. Cool. And last but not least, do you want to say thanks to anybody? Yeah, I want to say thanks to Tori, my wife. She puts up with my crazy shit. Uh, <laughs> and the rest of my family, you know, my mom and uh, and uh, her parents, just for helping us out. And, um, you know, all the CC crew, or, you know, as I say, the family, um, you know, we, we have a, a pretty tight group of, of friends that all hang together and work together and put put their their 100 into everything we do and and uh couldn't do it without them so i just think that 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 means the world to me 
Sounds good. Well, we appreciate the time. We wish you great success on the 11th annual One Moto Show and the first ever Electric National part of the One Pro Race on Saturday. So uh, where can people go to find out more information about this weekend and about CC? Yeah, easily. Uh, the OneMoto.com, spelled T-H-E, number one, and Moto, M-O-T-O, dot com. And then you could also go to CCMotorcycles.com. Spelled S E E S E E, and uh, those those both go to the same place. They have some information, um, but best way to to see the show is just to come and experience it yourself. So it it's on my bucket list, there. man. I I wish I could be there. I got to be in Reno this weekend for some arena cross, but uh, it's definitely on my bucket list. And I, I I've had a blast talking to you and getting to know you. Cool, man. Well, well, uh, thanks for the opportunity, and and I love you guys' the show and and everything that you guys are doing is super awesome and i'm really happy that that you guys are doing it and putting the effort in because it, it does it does help i can't wait to see you soon all right man thanks for coming on our podcast all right thanks guys later man thank you later i hate to say i told you so dude he's he's awesome man <laughs> he was talking about he was talking about some some things that you and i will never ever do or see and yeah. he's talking like they were no big deal like it like it's everyday hat for him it you know? is it is man this guy he'll just walk into a room and just like throw out 10 ideas and then go do them and he has the he's has the creative mind but he also has the determination to see him through and he surrounds himself with badass people who can help him get these things done i would just love to spend every day around somebody like that man he's his energy is unreal he's just a cool chill ass person and uh, he truly is passionate about what he does, and he exudes that passion. And everybody around him can't help but be swept up in it and want to help him do it. It's crazy. I think it'd be cool if people would just follow him around and record it. Like, <laughs> he can have his own show or his own you know, living podcast. That's what I was telling him, man. Show he, or something, man. It's crazy. He, he, he definitely could, man, because, like, he is that kind of dude. Um, and he's super chill. Like, he's easy to have a conversation with. You guys were just talking about all kinds of stuff, and you probably could have talked for another four hours and not hit on half the shit that he's done. Um, super cool dude. I love what they've done up there at CC Motorcycles up in Portland. I love what he's doing with his brand. I love everything that he does, like from the content he puts out there on his social media to, you know, what they're doing with the 21 Helmets thing. Uh, just anything this guy touches is, is gold. Um, so it, it's it's super cool to introduce him to our listeners uh, that didn't know about him. And if you're ever in the Pacific Northwest area around this time of year, make plans to go see the one moto show it is the most amazing custom motorcycle show i've ever seen and if you're driving through there to go to another race or to go you know sightseeing or whatever stop in and see the coffee shop in the motorcycle shop i mean there's and and grab yourself a t-shirt i mean there's all kinds of cool stuff it was a simple design you know we explained how he got the name of the company and and i just i loved everything about this podcast i was drawn to it initially because chris carter cc the, the logo is the two C's in the eyes. And I was just like, holy okay. shit, this is awesome. I love it. Um, but then I actually got to know the guy behind it, got to know the story, and met him. And just what a cool dude, man. I'm, I'm stoked to bring this one to the people, and uh, I hope they enjoy it. I do too, man. It was pretty cool. What are you doing this weekend? I am doing Arena Cross in Reno, Nevada. Wow. It's going to be my last one with them for the season because the next one they had me scheduled for was actually Amarillo, Texas, but I'm going to already be headed down. I'll be in Savannah, Georgia that weekend. So my last one for the year uh, with uh, the Arena Cross Series, the Kicker Arena Cross Series, but uh, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. And 
Man, I'm, I'm ready for some flat track. I'm going to be honest with you. So here, here's a question, Carter. Boy. One of my friends, Billy Walker, uh-huh. who goes to the Monday night dinner with Scotty Adams and, you know, Ronnie Jones there, Shane Carson, a bunch of other people that race different things. Somebody asked me, what does it mean when we say smash that like button? <laughs> is that on Facebook? Is that on Instagram? I was like, just like it. Like us everywhere. That's what we want, right? Yeah, we want likes. Absolutely. We want follows. Yeah. We want retweets. We want shares. Yeah. I didn't know how to really describe it. No, I mean, there's like buttons everywhere and just smashing it. it. If it, anybody can describe it, you can describe it. Well, it, I don't have Facebook, so is there a like button on Facebook? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, I believe the like button started on Facebook. Well, I don't know. Because Instagram's like a heart, right? Yeah. I don't know what Twitter is. Twitter is a heart, maybe? It's a bird. Yeah, Twitter is a bird. You're right. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, just smash that like button. Oh, and you can also leave reviews. Those help, especially on iTunes. If you uh, if you write a review, five-star review, or whatever the highest star is, always, that's great. It helps us, helps uh, other people find it. Well, cool. I just want to cover that for our listeners that, you know, smash that like button, tell all your friends, give us a review. That's what Carter says. Yes. And uh, another episode in the books already, Carter. Thanks again to everybody who bought a shirt from us. It, Dude, it means a whole lot, a whole lot cool. to me for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, super cool. Um, and I can't wait to get mine. I might have bought one in every color. I might have bought three. Yeah. Turns out we bought half of the shirts that we sold. Um, <laughs> I don't care. I just have a bunch of off the shirts either. now, and they're awesome shirts. So I'm stoked right, on it. Right. Um, all right, man. Well, I guess that's a wrap for this one. All right, man. Have a good weekend. Keep it on four wheels. Everybody else, keep it on two wheels. We'll talk to you next Friday. Yeah, peace! Thor, not Thor, by the way. Are you sure? A thousand percent. Don't call him Thor. It's Tor. Trust me. Really? Yes. I'm glad that I, was I said say something. You're the... I've never heard that ever. Really? Yep. Tor Drake? Yep. It's Tor. <laughs>